Welcome to a Calvary Montclair Sermon Podcast. It is our desire that you will learn of Jesus, grow in Jesus, and share Jesus with other people. Service times are on Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. and on Sunday mornings at 9.30 a.m. For addresses and directions, please visit our website, www.cmontclair.com. We pray that you are blessed by the teaching of God's Word by Pastor Joe McTarsney. Reading verses 26 through 33 this morning, Paul writes to the people at Corinth, and he writes, starting in verse 26, he writes, How is it then, brethren? Whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Notice this. Let all let all things be done for edification. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two, or at the most three, each in turn, and let one interpret. But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church, and let him speak to himself and to God. Let two or three prophets speak, and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent, for you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace, as in all the churches of the saints. This morning we're going to learn five instructions that Paul had for the Corinthians. Five instructions that Paul had for the Corinthians. In a very practical way, these five instructions are for the church this day. For us, five instructions for us this morning. The first one we're going to see is located in verse 26. And the first instruction is how to minister when you come together. How to minister when you come together. See, they were coming together. They were coming together. And Paul wanted to inform them how they should minister when they come together. Notice that with me, verse uh, 26, when he says, how is it then, brethren, when you come together, when you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation, and let all things be done for edification. So in, in this context, in, in this this gathering, in this gathering, um, it would be a smaller gathering. It's not like a Sunday morning church type of um, atmosphere, but it is a smaller gathering. You know, we would refer to it like a, a house church. And as he's Christians were gathered together as they were gathered together. Paul says in verse 26 that that each of them, that each of you, each of them, each of you, each of them would participate in this service in at least five different ways. And those five different ways is clearly laid out in verse 26. Five different ways is clearly laid out in verse 26. You could put like um, number one through through five on them, or you could underscore it if you like. The first one, notice it with me in verse 26. The first way that they are to minister to each other is that one would share a psalm. One would share a psalm, a, a psalm to share. Second, we see in verse 26, another would have the opportunity to give a teaching, to, to give, give a teaching. Number three, we, we are informed in verse 26 that one would even have a tongue. 
Number four, we would see that another in that setting would even have a revelation. And lastly, another would have an interpretation. Another have interpretation. So Paul would say when, when you gather together, when, when, when this house church, when, when, when they, they come together, that each of them would each of them will be able to participate, will be able to contribute with their with their gifts um, in, in their, their, their gathering. And um, you know, we, we, we definitely understand this from the perspective of, of our church small groups. And if you are a part of our church small groups and, and, and um, um, out of God's grace and out of God's goodness, there's many within the fellowship um, uh, this semester. They're, they're part of a small group. And, and I encourage you to participate in the small groups and to be involved. And so this was a setting back then at Corinth where it was like a small group setting, like a house setting, a house church setting. And each of them had the opportunity to, to be involved. And, and a small group setting, one can do that. You know, one can share prayer requests. One, one, one can pray for someone else. One, as the facilitator, facilitates and um, and um, and sparks conversation, and, and someone adds in, and someone weighs in over here, and 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 it's all for for the edification of everybody in that gathering. Now. In a large church setting, in a larger church setting, say say like this type of setting on a Sunday morning, the, the small group dynamics won't work. The small group dynamics, it would just it's not practical. It's not practical, it just it just won't work. But if you have one that's like part of a small group and, and they, they like to participate, they, they have a, a word from God, they have an encouragement for, for, for someone else. And on a, on a Sunday, they can participate in, in, um, in the service. And, and, and don't only see that the service begins like at, at 9.30. At 9.30, that's when church begins. No, no. Church begins as soon as you um, drive into the parking lot. That's when it begins. And so beforehand, you see someone that you want to encourage, you, you want to pray with, that you've been touching bases with um, maybe throughout the week or last week. You saw them and, and they share something with you that concerns their relationships at, at home or within a family or a work um, uh, incident that is uh, occurring. And, and they share that with you. Then you could come up to them and you could approach them and ask them how it's going and you can minister to them. And so so ministering before service, or even ministering after service, service, that, that can be done on a, on a Sunday, and you can use your gifts. You, 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 can, you, you can minister, and, and it's, a, it's a big mistake to think that, that um, if you're not in, in front in one way or another, that, that you can't minister to someone else on a Sunday morning. God wants to use you. God, God has given you gifts. God has give, given you talents, and you can be used by the Lord, and, and may we all be equipped in, in a church service for the purpose to edify someone else, and, and that's what the Bible teaches teaches. Um, notice Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 says, and he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Notice, for the equipping of the saints, and you, you're the saints. Either you're a saint or an ain't. And so you guys are saints. And so uh, for the equipping of saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. God has called you to minister. See yourself as a minister, as the Spirit of God lives inside of you, as your mind knows the Word of God and, and there's people of God or people that may not know God. You are a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. You represent the Lord. Yeah, you may not represent Nike, Adidas, the Rams, the Lakers. But you represent the king of kings and, and the Lord's the Lord. Not the kings in Sacramento, by the way, but, but the king of kings, the king and kings up there. And you represent the Lord and the Lord desires to, for you to be equipped, to be equipped so you could 
edify someone else. There's a purpose of being equipped so you could edify someone else. And, and when we edify someone else, it, it's so rewarding. It's so rewarding. Why? Because someone is built up because um, of us. We're being used by the Lord Jesus Christ, almighty God in heaven, almighty God in heaven that created the heavens and earth desires to use you. There may some be some people that when, you know, they were picked teams and, 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 and you're like, oh, no, they're, they're picking teams. You're like, I know I'm going to get picked last. I just know it. And, and no, with God, he picks you first. And he says, I want to use you. You are usable with me. And, and you come to me and I'm going to continue to mold you and shape you. And you're going to represent me. And, and I want you. God wants you. You are chosen by the Lord Jesus Christ. You are a, a royal priesthood. God looks at you and says, you are so fearfully and wonderfully made. You are part of, of my team. And, and I'm going to give you the, the, the football the, of the word, if you will, and go and make a touchdown. And I'm going to be there and cheering you along. Uh, along and you're going to run this race. And, and I'm going to be there at the very end of that finish line. And now my arms are going to be open a while. And I'm so proud of you. I'm just so proud of you and, and continue to, to do all things to, to, through my son, through Christ, who will strengthen you. And so the Lord wants to use you. You need to know that this week, be used by the Lord. After church, be used by the Lord. Build other people up. And that's what Paul says. Notice at the end of verse 26, he says, let all let all things, let all things that we do, let all things be done for edification. We were created to edify someone else. How are we doing in that department? Let's edify someone else. How can you edify someone else? Well, you could pray for creativity and, and that respect on how to go about doing that. But God wants you to edify someone else. Notice it doesn't say he, he is creating you to tear down someone else, but to build someone else. And, and this is a day and age where people need encouragement. Gosh, there's there so much things to be depressed about, but there are so many other things to, to be um, not depressed about, to be blessed about, because God's on the throne. He, he loves us, and we're the apple of his eye. We're the delight of his heart. We're going to heaven. You are heaven-bound, and, and there's so, so many wonderful things to, to, to look forward to. So edification. Edification is not only inward for us, but it's outward for others. It's not only inward for us, but it's outward for others, and if we're not looking around to edify another person, we got to be careful because we become a spiritual consumer. And we don't want to become a spiritual consumer, but we want to be a dispenser. We're going to be a dispenser, and we, we want what the Lord pours into us to pour it out to, uh, to others. Paul spoke about that in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. 1 11, chapter, 20, uh, chapter 11, verse 23, Paul says, I first received from the Lord, that is what I deliver to you. So, so we, we receive... Not to only consume for ourselves, but then we, we give it out. So take in and, and give out. Now, we can't give out if we haven't taken in. So it's important to, to take in. Now, the second instruction that Paul provides for the people at Corinth in a very practical way for us this day, we see in verses 27 and 28, the second instruction is the guidelines of tongues. Now, you, you, you may say, we've been talking about tongues in, in the last couple of chapters. And, um, and, and actually, after, after this message, we'll, we'll be done talking about tongues. But back then, it, it's, it's so important to know, tongues was huge. T tongues and, and having this other language, it's like someone speaking another language, like, oh, I know Greek, or I know Hebrew. Um, and, and so, um, and they, they really, back then, they prided themselves on speaking this unknown tongue. And even what they did is they, um, 
they, they uh, wanted to show that like, they're kind of like more spiritual than, than someone else. So Paul had a lot to say about, about tongues. He had to address it, and, and it's important to note too. So the, the second instruction he provides is, is to have guidelines. There should always be gui- guidelines. should never be a free-for-all. And so notice with me in verses 27 and 28. If anyone speaks in a tongue, let there be two or at the most. Notice the word most, or at the most three. Each in turn, and let one interpret But if there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and and to God. So in respect to speaking in tongues in a believer's meeting, it is to be biblical and it is to be orderly because in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, it speaks about that. Let everything be done decently and in in an orderly um, fashion. We we, we looked at that. no, actually, we're we're going to be um, looking at that uh, next week. That all things be done decently and in order is just so so important because our God is an orderly God. So what Paul does in, in verses twenty seven and twenty eight, he lays down six conditions. He lays down six conditions or six guidelines, if you will, when it relates to this gift of tongues. The first one we see in verse twenty seven. The first one we see in verse twenty seven. He says, if there is to be two or or three, the most two or three to speak in tongues. So if anyone speaks in tongue. Let there be only two or at the most three. There only is to be two two or three. So if people have the gift of tongues, it needs to be in a, in a setting, it needs to be limited to two or three, not 10, not 50, not 100, but, but only two or three. Because if truly God has a message for the group of people, God is pretty able and pretty capable to communicate that message to, to two people, even through one, one person. If, if he has a message that he wants for that specific group of people, he's able to do that with, with or, or two or three. And we know even, and for us in, um, in, in our day and age, um, we, we are blessed, um, which they didn't have all the, the, the 66 books of the Bible, which we do, and know that God primarily wants to speak to you through his word, through his living word. And we have God's word. And, and so you want to know the mind of God. You want to know the heart of God. And you want God to speak to you. Um, it, it's really up to you. You have the Bible um, there. And, and I encourage you to, to, to read the Bible. Se- secondly, the second guideline or second instruction, uh, that, that, or second guideline um, in regards to speaking in tongues. And so also found in verse um, 27. Notice in verse 27 where it says, um, uh, so two or three, um, each in turn. So secondly, it's done in turn. It's done in turn. It's never, and this is so important because I've seen this done before. Um, um, It's to be done not at the same time. Done not at the same time. Before I, I came to a, like a Calvary Chapel Church, or like a verse by verse teaching, I, I, I was part of a, an Assemblies of God Church, and they're a little bit more free in the gift of tongues. And, and I, I remember, I, I remember like it was even yesterday, where a minister would be a friend. He would like start speaking in tongues, and and then someone else in the, the in the, the congregation would start speaking in tongues too. Right here in verse. Um, 27, Paul is crystal clear that it's never to, to be done at the same time. It's to be done in turn. In turn, so that practice would actually violate this portion of scripture. And that's why it's important to go verse by verse to, to learn what the word says concerning um, each of the gifts. So we see in the, the second one that it's done in turn. It's done in, in turn. Now, why, why would that be? Well, because if more than one person will be speaking in tongues, it will create a disorder. It will create a disorder. Because, you know, you're sitting in the back and you hear one person of this or a pastor or a minister up in the front and somebody over there going for it and someone will go for it and you're like, okay, boom boom, boom, 
And then someone next to you, <laughs> boom, and you're like, okay, like what's really going on there? And that's confusion. And, um, and, and God is not a God of confusion. And so God's not a God of dis- disorder. And then we see the third guideline in verse 27, um, that it, it, there should be a person present who could interpret the tongue. Because if there's no interpretation of this unknown tongue, what's the point? If, if you can't um, understand what's being being said. And, and notice that verse uh, 27, and he, and he says, um, let one interpret. So one should interpret that tongue, that, that unknown language that's coming across. So in speaking out in tongue in a service should, should be done if... If someone has the gift of interpretation so that other people that are gathering together can receive edification because all the gifts are done with the purpose to edify the people that are around them. So if they should be encouraged, edified, built up because of that, of that gift. And so they are to do that. Then number four, the, the fourth guideline we see actually in verse 28. The, the fourth guideline is that if no one has the gift of the interpretation, the person that desires to speak in tongue, uh, the Bible says that they, they are to keep silent. They are to keep silent. And we see that in verse 28. Uh, so if there's no interpreter, let him what keep silent. They are to keep silent. So so the, the person up in front, the person around them, they shouldn't be doing that. They, they are to keep silent if, they, they, if there's not someone that can actually actually um, put um, plain language or plain words to, to that uh, unknown tongue. So they are to, to keep silent. And then the fifth guideline, the final fifth guideline um, in respect to speaking in tongues, we see in verse uh, 28, if there's no interpreter, um, that person is to uh, speak to himself and speak to God. And we see that at the ending of verse 28, where it says, let him keep silent uh, keeps out in church and let him speak to himself and to God. So that person is to only speak in tongues to himself. He could, he could whisper, um, but, and knowing that it is, it is to God. So, so Paul leaves out five crystal clear, uh, guidelines, um, in respect to speaking in tongues, tongues in verses 27 and 28. Now the third guideline that, that Paul shares, Paul, Paul now touches on, um, giving guidelines to the gift of prophecy. And we, we're going to see that in verses 29 through 32, 29 through 32, Paul speaks about the gift of prophecy. Notice with me in verse 29. Now let two or three prophets speak and let the others judge. But if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. For you can all prophesy one by one that all may learn and all may be encouraged. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to to the prophets. So now we're, we're going to receive um, another five guidelines, another five, five guidelines. As there was guidelines for, for the gathering of speaking in tongues, there's also guidelines too um, in, in respect to the gift of prophecy. So the first one that, that we will um, notice is found in verse 29, and, and there should be only two or three um, prophets that would speak. And we see that in verse 29 where it says, let two or three prophets speak. And so it, it shouldn't be five. It shouldn't be ten. And, and, it, and again, if God truly indeed has a message for the gathering, for the people there, um, he can communicate that message um, with, with two people. So it should be only uh, limited um, uh, to, uh, to to that number, um, two or three prophets to speak. Now, now the, the, the whole meeting um, should not be given over to prophecy. It shouldn't be given to prophecy, but, but only to a couple people, two, two or three, because the gifts of the spirits are, are never to be made the focus. But the main focus of the gathering of the people exercise the gift, the main focus that everyone should be zeroing in on is edification. We should be um, focusing on the edification that comes from the gift. But sometimes we get this backwards, don't we? We, we like to, to edify the person. 
and, and say, oh, man, you were like so holy, you were so godly. Can you touch me? <laughs> Can I shake your hand? Can you sign my Bible? And no, no, no. All that person is is an instrument from God. It's an instrument from God, and, and God is the one that chooses to use that person so you can be encouraged, so you could be edified, so you could be built up. So don't worship the, the, um, the, the person that's giving the gift. Worship the giver of the gifts. Thank the Lord that, that he used a pastor, or he used a parking lot servant, or he used um, someone setting things up for, for you and using their gifts and their talents so we could be here together collectively. And that one gift is better than another gift. In God's eyes, every single gift is so important. The, 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 the guys and the people that got here first thing in the morning, and some even came um, from that retreat, came down here, you know, making sure things are set up. That gift that, they're, that they exercise it's the same as my gift right here of dispensing the word of God. And so so the gifts um, are for the purpose for the edification of, of others. But but sometimes people want to be rewarded for, for their gift. Like, like why? You know, God's the one to give you the breath of life. God gave you the gift. God gave you the mind, a sound mind. And so he's the one to be praised. He's the one to be honored, not, not, not the person, because there should be no no other idols. There's only one, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And so so we should we should always we should always walk away from, from a person exercising their gift, being built up and never tear down. If someone's edifying their, their, their gift and you are teared down, you are tore down, you are stumbled, there's a problem right there. They're in the flesh and the flesh stinks. But when they're in the spirit, the spirit builds up others. And, and that's what they're called to do when, when, when they prophesy. The second guideline we see in verse 29 is that others are to judge. We see that in verse 29, others are to judge. Notice at the end of the verse 29 where it says, let the others judge. Let the others judge. What, what, what does that mean? Well, it means that we are called to be biblically responsible. We are called to be biblically responsible to test if a person is truly speaking from God or from their flesh. If they're truly speaking from God or from their flesh. And, and, and so we are called to be biblically responsible because there's sometimes people could be fleshly. I mean, here's an, here's an, here's an example. You know, a, a, a guy may, may approach a single woman, a, a single lady, and, and he approaches her, and, and then he gets all like all spiritual, like, oh, okay, I'm spiritual right now. And so he approaches her and he says, uh, thus said the Lord. And he changes his voice a little bit, kind of moves around a little bit. Thus said the Lord. I'm to marry you. I claim you. Jesus' name. And you know what? No, that's not from the Lord. That's the set of his flesh. <laughs> and so, so sometimes we, we have to be biblically sound and, and, and know God, God's word because there, there are some fleshly people out there that, that kind of use God for their selfish ambitions and their selfish ways. And you got to be careful. If the person is not pointing you to Jesus, if, if, if you're not leaving their presence built up in Christ Jesus, something's wrong. We should all come together. All things be done for edification. Paul said that at the ending of verse 26. He said, all things, every single thing, all things for the edification. And so especially a, a, a pastor, a, a minister, they are to edify. They, they are to get like cold water and just, um, not literally, that would be kind of fun to spray with water. <laughs> but, but you're to leave their presence refreshed, edified like, oh. Thank you, Jesus. 
and, and, and people should leave our presence that way. We, we are to build up others. And so sometimes uh, someone would, would say, I have a word from the Lord, I have a word from the Lord, and they, they want to prophesy. We've got to be careful. You've got to test all prophets. The Bible says that in the book of 1 John 4.1. 1 John 4.1 says, Beloved. So beloved means that you're a child of God. You're loved by the Lord, and, and your Heavenly Father is watching out for you. You're beloved. Do not believe every spirit. But notice, test the spirits. It's okay to test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. First Thessalonians says, First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19 through 22 says, Do not quench the spirit, because people want to quench the spirit. Uh, do not despise prophecy, but it says, test all things. Test all things. It's okay to test. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from evil form of evil, abstain from every form of evil. So we're, we're called to test. We're called to abstain from any form of evil. Is there a form of evil? Yeah. You know, in the, the history of the church, you, you may know that there's, there's been some, some wackos out there. Some wackos out there that have led gullible people um, because a person is insecure and, and he wanted people just to follow him for some odd reasons and, and have people done some, some bizarre things. Um, and, and so we have to be careful. There's a book out there called Counterfeit Revival. Counterfeit Revival. And a foreword, a foreword was written by a, a, a gentleman named Tom Stipe. Tom Stipe. And he wrote a foreword in the book Counterfeit Revival. And he speaks to this problem of prophecy um, eclipsing the word of God. Prophecy eclipsing the word of God when it's not tested according to the word of God. And this is more towards young people. It says young people, young people were promised by this prophet. They, they were promised success through a prophecy and it never happened. And they were left picking up the pieces after their shadowed hopes were, 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 were gone. And because God apparently has gone back on his promises. And so if, if if they are not giving you the word of God and, it, and if it's not located in the scripture and it's okay to say, you know what, I know what you just said, but with, with respect, um, can you show me in scripture to support that? Because any spiritual experience needs a scriptural support. Any spiritual experience needs a scriptural support. And so we have to have the, the, the scriptural support to test it because the Bible says throughout it to, to test it, to test it. In Acts chapter 17, verse 11, we see that being done. Those in Thessalonica, they were far-minded. Uh, they were fair-minded. The, uh, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica and that they received the word. So they received the word with all readiness. And search the scriptures, J.D., to find out whether these things were so. So they searched the scriptures. So something was said, and they needed a, a scriptural support. Some of us said, you know, we, we've gone through high school, and we've gone through college. And, and, and so, you know, when, when you write a paper, um, what, what do um, our professors say? Support, 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 support your comments. Put a footnote, you know, support what you said. Same things with the scripture. So a man of God says, I have a word from the God. All right, I'll, I'll listen, but now support it. Show me exactly in the Bible where it's at. Otherwise, it's subjective. Otherwise, it's maybe putting your feeling because you, you, you want to, you just want to speak and say it's from God. And, um, and, and they may have some, some issues going, going on. And so, so we're, we're, we're called to, 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 to test it. And, and so that's what the Lord would, would want us to do. Knowing scripture is utmost important. 
So we have the discernment. We have the word of God. When the spirit inside of us says, you know, it's just something not right about that. And, and so, so you can ask him to, to support that. Number three, the third guideline we see in verse 30. The, the third guideline in verse 30 is, um, what do you do if, if a person is prophesying? And then all of a sudden someone says, oh, I have another message. And that's with me in verse 30. How, how do you handle that one? Verse 30 says, but if anything is revealed to another who sits by, let the first keep silent. So, so, he, so here's the scenario that's being painted in, in, ver, in verse, verse 30. Um, a person he, who is in the middle of prophesying gets interrupted. So the guy's brother prophesying, thus said the Lord. And it's like, and the prophet is like, it's, it's, by definition, he's meaning God's mouthpiece. He's speaking on behalf of God. So someone says, thus said the Lord, you know, speaking on behalf of God. And then so he's sharing away. And the person right next to him like kind of gives him an elbow, like boom, you know, you know gives him an elbow to his ear. You know, and, and, and interrupts him um, because supposedly he has a message from, from God too. So the first person that's speaking away, the Bible is very clear that, that the first person is to keep silent so the other person can speak. And so the other person can speak um, and then they're able to confirm it with, with the word of God. And so it always has to be confirmed with, with the word of God and, 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 um, and not because that, that second person is getting a little jealous that because, you know, he, he's not saying words from for some from God, and so um, he's just kind of feeling it. He's feeling emotional, and he just want, wants to speak because he's getting left out. So, so that's that's how you handle that one. Now, number four, the fourth guideline we see in verse thirty-one that this is, is so important. The goal of prophecy, there is a goal of prophecy, is that the people are to learn and to be encouraged. We see that in verse thirty-one. For you can all prophesy one by one, that all may learn and all may be encouraged. So the point of prophecy is twofold. The point of prophecy is twofold, that the person may learn from it. They may learn from it, and they may be encouraged by it. They may be encouraged by it. That is the fruit of prophecy. The fruit of prophecy is that the, the, there's words that we can learn from, and we could be encouraged by it. Now the fifth. The fifth um, guideline um, as it relates to prophecy, we see in verse 32. Verse 32, that, that they would have self-control. And we see that in verse 32. And the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Um, you know, I, I read that, and then I looked at another rendering um, called the um, NLT rendering. And I actually like how the NLT rendering um, um, uh, says verse 32. So let me read that to you. First uh, Corinthians 14 um, and... Uh, Chapter 14, verse 32 says, Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit. That says it a little bit more clear. People who prophesy are in control of their spirit. Because sometimes we, we, we could get the impression that a person that using a spiritual gift has no control in what they're doing and exercising their gift, that they're kind of like out of control. And as I mentioned, you know, my past before and even like in a charismatic churches, you, you can see people do some, some bizarre things and they're, 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 um, they're, out of, they're, they're really out of control. You know, some people will be falling to the ground. Some people will be running around and, and you know, um, doing backflips for God <laughs> and um, being a cheerleader for the Lord and, and, um, and, and, and interrupting each other and, and two, three, four or five people prophesying and, and speaking in tongues. And, and that, that can all do. But a, a person that's even prophesying, um, they're able to control their spirit because we have to remember this. The fruit of the spirit uh, and evidence of the fruit of the spirit, according to Galatians 5.23, Galatians 5.23, the, the evidence of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. 
It is self-control. So it shouldn't be like a free-for-all. It shouldn't be like a, almost um, mimicking a circus um, without disrespecting. You know, it's just kind of wild, and, and then this person pops up, and that person pops up, and you kind of sit back, and you're kind of like, well, our kind of church is kind of like entertaining, actually. And, and, and so um, the, the, the church of God is for people to be edified and then things be done decently and in order for God to receive the glory so people can leave learning and, and edified. And so our own self-control um, is the evidence of, of um, the spirit indeed that is moving. And so when the spirit is moving, there's self-control from the person that's exercising their gift and from every um, component within that meeting. Now, lastly, and we will conclude um, in verse 33. We'll conclude in verse 33, the, the final fifth instruction that, that Paul gives to the Corinthians and gives to us in a very practical way. And that God is not a God of disorder, but God's a God of peace. Notice that with me in verse 33. For God is not the, the author of confusion, but a peace as in all the churches of the saints. So God does want chaos in his churches, in all the churches, back then and today. God's a God of peace, and a peace is part of the nature of who God is. If you want to know who is God, yeah, God is kind, God is love, God is just. Also, God's a God of peace. And what, who is, what is God not? God is not a God of confusion at all, at all, according to this verse. So there, there is no confusion and disorder um, should be in any Christian gathering or in a, in a Christian at all because that's not a God. And, and granted, and granted um, God may do things that we don't understand and things can seem a little strange or, or unpredictable to us at, at times, but there, but there should be a never, a never a general atmosphere of confusion and weirdness with the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord's not weird, by the way, okay? The, the Lord is not corny. <laughs> you know, he's awesome. He's powerful. He's orderly. He's majestic. He's holy. He's worthy to receive praise. And so we can bow before him and lift up our hands and say, worthy is the Lamb of God that, that, that died upon the cross for us. And so the, the Lord causes a disordered life to be orderly now. The Lord causes a life that is full of confusion and full of weirdness, maybe because of a person's upbringing and background. The Lord causes them to be still, to be peaceful, to know that they're, they're, they're God. It's so beautiful that people that, that were raised in an in unstable environment, and like I was, but with the, uh, the single mom, that with the Lord now you could be in a stable environment. It's so beautiful how that is because God's a God of order. God's a God of peace. God's a God of clarity. God, God is a God um, of one that he, he's, he's the glue that puts everything together. And, and he makes things beautiful in his timing. And there is a peace. There is a, such a peace of, the, of God. And that peace that God gives you is to guard your mind so your mind is not like out of control. And if your mind is like out of control with so many different thoughts and, and God wants to bring, speak peace to your mind. If your heart is so heavy, if your heart is just um, so maybe depressed, God wants to speak peace. He says, peace to you that I give. I give you peace, peace that surpasses your understanding, peace into your heart. He says in storms of life, peace be still. What storm do you have in your life? God wants to say, peace be still to that storm. And, and it, maybe you're not right with the Lord. The Lord wants you to make peace with him. So let us pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. 
you are a God that stabilizes us. You are a God that anchors us. You are a God that provides hope for us. You are a God that gives us peace despite storms. You are a God that gives us peace despite a dysfunctional environment. You are a God that brings peace when there's like chaos in the house. And even in the midst of chaos, we still could be peaceful because the peace of God rose in our heart. The peace of God lives inside of us. And so other people can be out of control, but we could be in control because God's in control and God holds us in the palm of his hand. And maybe that's a word for somebody here this day. Last week was maybe chaotic for you. Last week was just crazy for you. It was very confusing for you. And there was a lot of weirdness that happened. Well, the Lord wants to step into your boat and tell you that it's going to be okay because I'm with you. And you could rest. You don't have to be overwhelmed by storms because the Lord will take care of the storms. And he just wants to hold you while the storms is happening. And he will get you to the other side. As he told his disciples, get in the boat. We're going to the other side. You need to know this is for you. You're going to get to the other side. And the other side eventually will be heaven. And, and meanwhile, hold on to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. Hold tightly to your Abba Father, to your Daddy. And even like um, a little child would do, and we have no children here to do, when, and children know this, when, when they're insecure, they're afraid, what do they do? They run into Daddy's arms or even run to Mom's arms. But they run to a parent, and God is our parent. He's our Abba Father, and things are going to be okay. So, Father, thank you for this time of, of encouragement. Thank you for this time of edification. Thank you for this time of building each other up. Thank you for this time of being reminded with truth because the truth sets us free. And thank you, Lord, for your peace. Lord, I'm just falling more in love with your peace day in and day out for your peace. Oh, you're a God of peace in the midst of storms. You're a God of peace in the midst of chaos. You're a God of peace in confusing situations because you stabilize us, God. You stabilize me, Lord. You stabilize my brother. You stabilize my sister. You're an anchor, Lord, to them. You're an anchor to them, Lord. Their boat is not going to go under. Their life's not going to go under. They're going to be stable. They're going to be stable with you, Lord. So if you need prayer, would you raise your hand? Maybe you need to be stable by the Lord this day. Maybe last week's just been tough for you. And you need the Lord just to give you his peace, just to reassure you and just say it's going to be okay, that you would cast that care to him because his burden is light, his yoke is easy, and he wants you to roll that burden over to him and so you can be set free, that you can have the peace of God that surpasses your, your knowledge, your understanding, your thoughts, your heart, that the weight will be lifted up. The, the Lord will lift that weight and exchange give you his peace and reassure you that you're going to be okay because he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And nothing shall ever separate you from the love of Jesus Christ, nor storm, nor trial, nor tribulation. Nothing will separate you from his unconditional love. He doesn't take his love back. He doesn't give it like, okay, now I'm going to give, take it back. No, it's freely given. And so we freely receive it and we praise God for it. So if you need prayer, raise your hand. Maybe you need to get right with the Lord or maybe you, you have never asked Jesus into your heart and it's time to surrender. Surrender by the raising of your hand. Say, I surrender all to the Lord and Lord, to the King of Kings. And I want to make peace with God this day. I want his peace to consume me. I don't want to be a worry wart. I want to be 
a peace person that's connected to the peace of God. And peace is wrapped around in a person. And his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And he's to be a wonderful counselor. He's to be our mighty God. He's to be our everlasting father. And he's to be the prince of peace. To be peace. And he's our prince. You single ladies, you have a prince. And his name is Jesus. And he's going to give you peace. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for the movement of your Holy Spirit. Thank you for peace. Peace is priceless. Peace is what we need. Peace is what this world needs. Peace is what our family needs. Peace is what our offices need. Peace is what these communities need. The peace of God to rule in our heart and rule in our mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your peace. You can put your hands down. Thank you for your peaceful spirit even right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for what you're doing on the hilltop with the men up there, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing here, Lord Jesus. We give you praise, Lord. Until we see you face to face, Jesus, may we be found faithful. And may we walk in your peace day in and day out. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. You put your hands down. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let's praise the Lord for what he did. He is faithful. He is good. We, and Jesus is good all the time. And, and so I, I pray that you are edified today, that you're built up in the Lord Jesus Christ, that you know that he loves you. And nothing's going to ever separate you from the love of the Lord. Nothing's going to ever separate you from his love, and he loves you so much. So this week, be encouraged. Find someone to edify. Um, um, pour into someone else. Um, smile at somebody. Tell someone that, that there's a God in heaven that loves them if they don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, give them an invite card. Uh, and not necessarily to the church, but to know scripture. And if they need to know truth, maybe they have some real questions. There's videos that, that, they, uh, that they can watch in a couple minutes and, um, and, um, and, and learn truth because the truth will set them free to answer any questions that, that they have. And so may the Lord use you. May the Lord use you. May his face shine and continue to shine upon you. May, may you walk in his grace. May you walk in his peace this weekend. Um, and I want to tell you, um, our church family, I love you. I love our church family. I, I, I love you. I love the men of the church, the, the people of the church. And, and so we, we have a wonderful church. Bill Welsh, you know, some of you guys know Pastor Bill Welsh. He was just over and over and over again telling, telling me and in the church, um, the men, was, there's something about this church, the spirit of the men. There was love. There was unity. There was kindness. It wasn't this like macho attitude. There was just, there was just genuine men. And, um, and so he wants to get to know our church more. Um, he invited me out for lunch. He goes, I want to, want to get, there's something occurring with you guys. And he, he left. Like, he told me like four or five times. Because there's something happening here at, at the church. And, um, and he's been, Pastor Bill, I, I respect his walk with Jesus. He, he's a shepherd. Definitely a shepherd. And, and so it was really encouraging just to, to hear from a man, a man of God that I highly respect, that loves Jesus. Um, he just senses something special going on in this church. So, so um, just want to give you that report because God is moving in this church. Because you know what? It's not about me. It's not about Reuben. It's not about anybody. It's about Jesus Christ. May he be the center of everything. Amen to that. God bless you. Have a wonderful week in Christ.
give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor, God. I pray that our lives this week, Lord, would just glorify you in every way. In every circumstance that comes our way, God, I pray, Lord, that you would just fill us with your spirit and help us not to react, Lord, but to problem solve and to troubleshoot and give it to you, God. We love you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Have a great day.